Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Podcast, equipping people to live successful Christian lives. If you're interested in, in the foyer here present, um, we have uh, on the campus, we have our prayer cards in the lobby. And if you're online, drag your carcass to church tonight and get a prayer card, all right? So, um, but uh, we hope that you'll grab one of those and remember us in prayer. Um, in any given year, typically in our, our traveling ministry, we minister in about, um, depending on the year, 250 to sometimes over 300 services a year. And so we hope you'll pray with us. Um, we Tomorrow we're in Ohio, and then we're Friday in Little Rock, Arkansas, and then Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, we're in Muskogee, Oklahoma. That's like a song in there, isn't there? And so uh, one of those old hymns. But uh, anyway, keep us in prayer, and uh, hopefully by the end of the year, we'll be back on the continent of Africa, and we really do appreciate your prayer. If you're interested um, in some of our books and stuff, this is our newest one called Goodbye Chicken, Hello Dove. And it's all about how the Holy Spirit helps us overcome our fears, but not our fears like I'm being chased by Freddy Krueger through the forest, whatever, on Halloween. Not like those kind of fears, but our fears like we'd all like to do more for the Lord, but we're, the thing that keeps us from attempting to try it is we're afraid of failure. We're afraid we're under-resourced. We're afraid we're undereducated. We're afraid we're going to make mistakes. And this shows how the Holy Spirit... kind of pokes our fear in its eye and how we encounter God's presence and power. The first third is all about the identity of the Holy Spirit because you'd be surprised how few Christians really know who he is and can articulate that. And honestly, how can you trust somebody if you don't know them? And then the middle third tracks some very cool patterns in the Bible from the Old and New Testament that are carried through of how human beings interact with the Holy Spirit. How many of you are human beings? Because there are two types of people. There are humans, and then there are Dallas fans, right? And so, um, but how human beings interact with the Holy Spirit. And it's, it will show you what's important about that is it shows you in your pursuit of more of the Spirit in your life, it shows you that you're on the right track, the biblical track. Because some people go, I don't, you know, it feels vague. Well, it doesn't feel vague when you, when you see the lines on the road. And that's what that shows us. And then the final third of the book is all about... Um, how to discern the leading and prompting of the Holy Spirit. Have you ever struggled with, is that prompting from me or from God, you know, kind of a thing? And it's all about that. So you know then with confidence, I know who the Holy Spirit is, I know I'm walking in the biblical pathway, and this is how I can discern what he wants me to do. So it's really, really helpful, and it's a lot of fun. You'll learn how I was once mistaken for a bad Elvis impersonator in Memphis, Tennessee. So take advantage of that. We have our kids' book back there. Uh, for elementary age kids and grandkids on the Holy Spirit. And then we have a media card that has a little flip-out USB on it. It's got 25 hours of teaching on the Holy Spirit in both audio and video. You can put it in your uh, computer. You can stick it in your smart TV, put it in your car stereo if it's equipped with a USB media port on it. If you're from West Virginia, you can even stick it in your ear. So uh, anyway, those are back there. And all of those resources go to help us uh, continue in ministry. Well, let's talk about the Holy Spirit for a a few moments, and then we're going to go to a season of prayer at the end of the service. So when we talk about the Holy Spirit, often, you know, people don't know what to do with him. I mentioned a moment ago that many struggle understanding the identity of the Holy Spirit, who he is. And so I always try to state in every session that that I can think of, the simple definition of the identity of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God's personal spirit. He is not someone else outside of God's being. He's God's personal spirit. 
He only does God things because he is God. He is as much God as the person of the Father in the Godhead or the person of the Son, Jesus. And so the Holy Spirit is entirely trustworthy. The Bible teaches us that all he does is take what is Christ, what Christ hands to him, and then he passes it on to us. He's the mailman in the Godhead of the Trinity. He's the one that takes what is the master's, John 16, 15, and makes it known to us. So if you want more of Jesus in your life, you and I need to be open to the Holy Spirit because he is the conduit through which the things of Christ flow in our lives. Now, I want to take a, a few moments and, and read with you three scriptures. The first two scriptures we'll look at pose a problem. You'll feel it. On one hand, you have this, but on the other hand, you have this. You'll sense it as we read. And so the first one kind of states the problem. The second one expands it and takes it to its farthest ends, a seeming contradiction or a canceling out. And then the third scripture will propose the solution. So let me invite you, if I can, to stand with me to your feet in honor of the reading of God's word. This is from the Apostle Paul speaking to the church at Corinth, the church he had founded. He's written about three years after he had founded this church. He was there for about a year and a half. And uh, the Apostle Paul is writing to the church in response to their questions. And the largest chunk he deals with is in the moving and manifestations of the Spirit. So now he's trying to show them the connection of the character attributes of the Spirit um, that are kind of summarized by love, but it's not like, you know, love like we would most often think, you know, in the Greek language, there's all these different words for love and they all have a little different nuance. The one he uses here is the agape, or we would say agape, whatever, but the agape, the selfless love of Christ, like the you first, you know, please, you know, you, there's one, one last piece of grandma's pecan pie, you take it. How many know that's selfless love from God, right? Okay. So it's that kind of love. So when you see him talk about love, he's not talking about romantic love or brotherly love. He's talking about the you first please, you know, kind of love. And that summarizes Christian character kind of in one word. So you ready to read together? Okay, let me get out of the way here and we'll read together. If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Next, please. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but didn't love others, I would be nothing. Let love be your highest goal, but you should also desire the special abilities the Spirit gives, especially the ability to prophesy. Father, thank you so much for your word and for your power, and we pray today, Lord, that you would affect us with both your word and your power. Lord, I pray that you would become more real to us through the ministry of your Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus, as the Bible declares. Holy Spirit, would you take what is the Master's and make it known to us today? Thank you for it, Lord. And Lord, as always, trying to follow after you in every way we can think of, we want to follow after you in the way you consistently patterned ministry. You taught about the kingdom in one hand, and on the other, you healed the sick. 
So Lord, today, as the kingdom of God is taught about, would you come and heal the sick? I welcome your healing virtue just right now to begin to be made manifest in this room. And those that are present here, those that are present online. Um, oh, I thank you, Lord Jesus, for sending your healing power. Oh, God, uh, let your grace flow, Lord. Let your power fall in Clearbrook today, we pray, Jesus. Minister your power and grace. Thank you, Lord. I, in fact, I pray, Lord, upon anyone who would just simply lift a hand to heaven right now, that they begin to sense your healing power flowing through their bodies and through their minds. Jesus, express your love for your church today by embracing us with your healing virtue. Thank you for your goodness. In the name of the Lord, amen, amen. You can be seated if you like. Well, let's go back to the first scripture if we can. And thanks again to the amazing tech team. You guys are awesome. So check this out. He states the problem. He, um, he's coming out of 1 Corinthians 12, where he's been talking about all the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Um, if you're from, unfamiliar with this portion, I challenge you to sit down and read 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14 in one sitting. It will take about 30 minutes, and it will answer most questions that people have about this. Typically, people kind of cherry pick and kind of scan and find a verse and just read read it, but that's not really a good way to read the Bible. You wouldn't read anything else that way. Um, but dive in and get it in context, and you'll understand what Paul's really building. So chapter 12, he's trying to help people that are new to the things of the Spirit understand the heart of God and the availability of these things. Chapter 13, which is where this is from, we often call it the love chapter, and it was probably read at all of our weddings, but it's actually not that kind of love. It's kind of funny. But it's not like Paul's writing about the Holy Spirit and goes, oops, I need to sneak something in they can read at weddings. Okay, okay, now back to the gifts of the Spirit. It's all the main deal. So he says in, in, a, in chapter 13, verse 1, now I'm going to show you the most excellent way, but it's not like the way, the way you do things, although it's kind of a play on words. The Greek word hados is avenue, the streetway. If you want to flow in the gifts of the Spirit, this is the street they're supposed to properly flow on, and it's love, the selfless love. Like, hey, I don't want to be using the power of God because I want to have any position or any recognition myself. I want to be using the things of the Spirit so that others can be first, so others can be helped, you know, and um, it's just a different different mindset to our American me first step on everybody else, get what you want, I get the last tickle me Elmo and I'm going to punch your grandma to get it in Toys R Us kind of a thing, you know, and so, um, and that was not a confession, maybe, but, um, but then chapter 14, he changes his tone again and he now addresses not the new people to the things of the Spirit, he addresses the people that have been around for a little while, and he challenges their game. Hey, stop being so selfish about this. And so, in fact, of, of the nine greater issues that are addressed in 1 Corinthians, the response of Paul to every one of them in one level or another is, don't be selfish about this. Don't be selfish about that. Don't be selfish about this. And that unselfishness is summarized by this agape selfless love. So he goes, look, He's coming out of talking about supernatural giftings of the Spirit. Some of them are Spirit-inspired, empowered speech, like the ability for a public gifting in an unknown language that would be interpreted, the gift of public tongues with interpretation or prophecy. He goes, look, if I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, so that's an obvious nod in context to talking about supernatural language and perhaps prophetic giftings, but at least for sure supernatural language. So I had that in the bag but I didn't love others, that speaking and supernaturally would be useless noise. It would be like, 
a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Today, maybe in our vernacular, it'd be fingernails on a chalkboard, you know? The, it, in that Greek, that useless noise, the, probably the clearest way to translate it in modern English would be country music. Then the next one, he goes on to say, okay, so if I had, if I had one supernatural gift, if I had one supernatural gift, but I didn't love other people, then it would cancel out. Do you feel that? Okay, now check out the next one. So now he goes, so there are, he lists in chapter 12, nine manifestation gifts of the Spirit. Some of them have to do with speaking. Some of them have to do with knowing. Some of them have to do with doing, right? So he goes, okay, so if I had that speaking thing, but I didn't love others, it would cancel out. But don't you think if you just had more giftings, it would give you more margins to be a knucklehead? Check out the next verse. So if I had the gift of prophecy to speak... And if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, revelation gifts, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, discerning of spirits. So now not only if I had one or two gifts, but now if I had six, but wait a second, then he adds on, and if I had such faith, I could move mountains, the demonstration gifts, gift of faith, workings of miracles, gifts of healings. So the first verse, he goes, if I have one gift and I didn't love others, it would cancel out. Now he says, but if I had all of them and didn't love others, guess what? Still cancels out. Because don't you think that if you would like ascend to the, you know, 27th level of the cones of Dunshire and become a Jedi master, that all of a sudden you would now, you know, but it's not that way at all. An idiot is still an idiot, right? <laughs> and a lot of people make the mistake. Um, they go, well, okay, so we have two main sides of the ministry of the Spirit. One is transformational purity, we'll look at that, and the other is power for ministry. And, you know, well, I need to pick one. And a lot of churches today, um, and thankfully ever decreasing number, but they say, I will pick either power when it comes to the Holy Spirit, or I will pick purity when it comes to the Holy Spirit in my pursuit. But check out what Paul says. Look at this final verse, the antidote. He says, uh, next verse, please. He says, so let love, that agape, that selfless love, be your highest goal. But you should also earnestly desire, seek, go after the giftings of the Holy Spirit, especially the gift of prophecy, because he explains later on that prophecy is like the easy. He said, you can all prophesy. It doesn't have to be a King James. Prophecy is just saying what God wants you to say to people in your known language, right? How many have ever been talking to somebody and the Lord really helped you guide your words, okay? That's in its most generic and yet wonderful and authentic sense. That's a prophetic gifting, right? You go, I'm not that smart. I knew God really helped me, you know? That's God guiding your words. Everyone can do that. Everyone can experience that spirit-empowered speech in our known language. And Paul goes, the reason why, especially prophecy, because it just immediately builds people up with no complication. Very, very easy. Just don't even have to add water. It's ready to serve right away like a spiritual MRE, but tastes better. So let love be your highest goal. But right after that, so you should also desire. This word desire is literally in the Greek tie yourself to, bind yourself to. Like if you remember in the Old Testament, um, in the, the book of Lost and Out, depart from you, bind it to your foreheads like the Jews would wear a phylactery, a little box with a small copy of the scriptures there in their forehead. Um, it's that same idea or being a child of the 70s. Uh, any other children of the 70s? Okay. Um, and so the, all the spy movies of the $6 million man, there was always that one high-level intelligence officer that had the secret plans in the briefcase with a handcuff around their wrist and to the handle of the briefcase. 
which even as a kid, I'm like, come on, there's like two little aluminum rivets holding that handle on the briefcase. I think it's a little bit of overkill, you know? But um, the idea of it's so important, you don't want to get separated from it. That's what he says. So he's setting up a posture, go after the character transformation summarized by love, most, but don't pick one over the other. Right underneath that, go after the things of the Spirit, the power of the Spirit. And a lot of people go, well, that's just a lot of work. Well, yeah, it is, if you want to be like Jesus. It's nonstop. But if you're sick of yourself, how many are sitting by someone that's really bugging you, okay? But how many are, even if you're sitting by yourself, right? Um, How many drive yourself nuts, right? It's worth the pursuit. It's worth the pursuit. Just one less Netflix show a day and a few moments in the presence of God can reap powerful transformation. So when we look at this, it shows the two basic sides or dimensions of the Spirit's work. And that's what I want to show you this morning. I want to install in your brain a very simple filing system for every thought, every fact, every sermon, every teaching, every theological statement about the Holy Spirit you have ever heard and will ever hear. Honestly, there are very few things that work out this neat and slick, but this is one of the very few. Check this out. We have the inward ministry of the Spirit and the outward ministry of the Spirit. Now, I've chosen these not to discuss the posture of your navel, but because the Bible shows that some of these things indeed happen in the inner being, inside, the interior prepositions are used, like you drink a glass of water, it goes in, and some of them are exterior, they happen upon you, like when you walk out in the rain and you get wet in your outer being. And the Bible is very, very clear that some things are happening inward, some things are happening outward. So let's look at this. Look at the inward first, please. So if you take a look at this, look at the very bottom The bottom line of the inward ministry of the Spirit is purity, purity, but not like hand-washing and Purell, um, but it's purity as in spiritual purity. Now, this is a really important issue because a lot of people don't really process this. I mean, we know we've all sinned, and we have a way of kind of comparing our own sin against other people. And have you ever noticed that in your own pursuit of trying to feel not as bad about yourself, that you don't compare yourself against, like, your grandma, probably, unless she's a hell's angel, but you compare yourself against, like, murderous sociopaths, you know? Well, I mean, I've sin- I don't know if I'd call it sin. I've had some indiscretions. I've made mistakes. But I'm no Adolf Hitler. I'm no Idi Amin. I'm no Pol Pot. I'm no Dak Prescott. You know, and you kind of put, you compare yourself against the worst, right? And so it's interesting because the Bible never compares you against me. The Bible compares all of us against God's holy, righteous, perfect status. And we've all sinned and we've all fallen short, missed the bullseye of God's best for our lives. And this raises the issue. A lot of people on their spiritual journey, they try to resolve spiritual problems with natural solutions. So if I just give more to the, this charity, or I just help more little old ladies across the street, or I just, you know, volunteer as a crossing guard, or whatever it is, then that will ease my... But it doesn't ease your conscience. Why? Because spiritual problems require spiritual solutions. And that's why Jesus came and died on the cross 2,000 years ago. But more than just dying, because the cross is incomplete unless accompanied with the resurrection because otherwise Jesus would have just been another good martyr. 
but he rose again by the power of the Spirit to proclaim not only that he is the Son of God with power, but that he is God's Messiah that can save us from our sin. And just like Jesus rose again from the dead, that proves to you and I that he can lift us above our sin and its consequence. Spiritual problems require a spiritual solution. And just coming to church doesn't make you right with God. You must personally, as Jesus commanded, be born again or saved. You have to invite Jesus. Lord, I've sinned. Forgive me. And guess what happens at that moment? That first level of the supernatural purifying work of the Spirit happens inside salvation. There are five terms for salvation in the Bible. Saved, salvation, obviously. Go together, Jesus, Peter, Paul, use those, the writer of Hebrews. And then there's born again, born of the Spirit. Those are exclusively used by Jesus. All these mean the same thing in, in John 3. And then the fifth one is regeneration, which is, again, the prefix re. And then the root word generation there is not like generations or power generation. It's actually um, the Greek word for the name of the book of Genesis, the first book of the Bible, beginnings. An again beginning really cool word. Anybody want a fresh start, you know? And that's kind of what this is. You see the similarities in all of those. Romans chapter 8 is the key text in the Bible that associates our salvation with the work of the Spirit inside. Did you know that we're saved because of the blood and sacrifice and a resurrection of Jesus? But at the end of the day, it's the Holy Spirit that enacts salvation in our lives. You cannot be saved without the Holy Spirit's help. Even beforehand, your realization that I've sinned against God, I'm an accountable to a holy God, and I need to be, get things right, that's John 16, 8. That's the conviction work of the Holy Spirit. That happens before you're saved. The Holy Spirit's out in his sewer waders, and he's going through the sewers, finding people like you and I, you know? And so uh, he's at work in our lives. And the moment we are saved, the Bible tells us the Holy Spirit immediately comes to live inside of us. How many of you have given your life to Jesus? Then the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. And the metaphor I've used for years, because it's just the best, is that of a, a donut. When you and I are saved, God injects the cream filling of the Holy Spirit inside of our donut. He lives inside of us. How many got a donut on the way in, right? This message brought to you by Duncan, right? But, um, but he, he comes to live inside of us. And there's more scripture on this work of the Spirit in the New Testament uh, than many other works of the Spirit. He comes to live inside of us, like Romans 8, verse 9. Paul says very clearly, if the Holy Spirit is not living in you, you're not a Christian. Or like the temple text, 1 Corinthians 3.16 and 6.19, your body, your carcass, your soma is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Now, this is really important because most people only think the Holy Spirit is there when they're doing something spiritual, when they're worshiping, when they're listening to K-Love, when they're eating Chick-fil-A or whatever, you know what I'm saying? Like, when I'm doing something, then the Holy Spirit comes. And we say, we pray, come Holy Spirit, you know, come here, I need you. And that's, it's true on some levels, it's come reveal yourself, but if you've been saved, he has lived inside of you from the moment of your salvation whether you feel him or not, the only way he would ever leave is if you would evict Jesus from your life. A lot of people misunderstand, and they think when a Christian sins, the Holy Spirit leaves, because the Holy Spirit's really skittish about sin. Not at all. Remember, he was in his waiters convicting you of sin. 
before you were saved. And so he doesn't leave. The reason why it's so intense, the conviction of the Spirit is intense as a Christian, is because before you were saved, he was convicting you from the outside, but now that you're saved, he's convicting you from the inside. So when you get saved or, and then you sin, you don't have to go come back to church and get re-saved, you know? But this is a beautiful thing of showing us the relationship of God in our lives. Then the second level, that salvation is getting into the kingdom of God. The second level of purity is called sanctification. Now, that sounds a little like the word sanctimonious, but sanctimonious is the exact opposite of sanctification. Um, sanctification speaks of the purifying work of the Spirit in your life from the moment you get saved until you stop blowing bubbles of constantly having an upward growth curve. Now, some of this happens by osmosis. You get, you, know, you get faithful in the house of the Lord. You hear the word of God. You get around Christians. How many know having believing friends can really lift your life? Now, we also want to still be friends of people that don't know the Lord, but letting the greatest influence in our life be people that are showing Jesus will really lift your life. You know, if you're struggling with heroin addiction or crack addiction, don't live in a crack house. That's step number one, right? Get around the, but then also experience the transforming power of Jesus. And so it's kind of one of those, one of those things that help us on a practical level. But this idea of growing in the Lord. So some of it happens by osmosis. You read the word, you, you know, you, you pray, you, you see a general upward lift. How many, not out of a, hey, I'm better than whatever, but you can see this biblical principle would raise a hand saying, you know, since I started serving the Lord, I can see some spiritual growth in my life, right? And it's, it, sometimes, ideally, it's like constantly upward, but a lot of times it looks like this, you know, but it generally trends upward. But then another part of sanctification is not just kind of the general slow drip IV, but then there are also dramatic spurts of sanctification that happen in our lives as well. And often churches kind of argue if it's one or the other, it tastes great, less filling, whatever, but it's both, um, because there are spurts. How many of you have experienced in your life God's overcoming power to help you overcome an addiction or a sin bondage or something like that, some major deal? You got in there and you prayed, and Jehovah Zappa, I mean, poof, you know, you experience, you know. And so these things happen. You see it both. And sometimes people misunderstand because they see another believer and they're in a prayer meeting and all of a sudden the person starts like screeching or crying or shaking or something and they go, oh, that looks like a demon. No, that's just the Holy Spirit coming and sanctifying power in a believer's life. It's like, um, I, I love working on cars. And when you get a good rusty metal panel on a car and you take that flap wheel on there and you can just pretty soon, psh, a lot of sparks. But man, it's nice and shiny afterwards and resurfaced. And you see kind of the barnacles flying off. That's what's going on in one of those sanctifying moments. Let me show you something to illustrate this. I'm not a creeper. I don't read obituaries. But this was a good one. I happened to be in the right place at the right time in, um, in Minnesota and saw this obituary. So I've crossed out her name. Kathleen was born. Doesn't she look like everybody's grandma? She was born March 19, 1938, to Joseph and Gertrude of Wabasso. She married Dennis at St. Anne, so some kind of Christian wedding. In 1957, had two children, Gina and Jay. In 1962, she became pregnant by her husband's brother, Lyle, and moved to California. She abandoned her children, Gina and Jay, who were then raised by her parents in Clements, Mr. and Mrs. Joseph. She passed away on May 31, 2018 in Springfield and will now face judgment. She will not be missed by Gina and Jay 
and they understand that this world is a better place without her. So how about that response, right? So your response was pretty evenly split between three categories. There was nervous laughter. There was the wheel of fortune. Ooh, noise, right? And then the other was just stunned silence. Because, I mean, she looks like she could make a mean apple cobbler, right? But she was a wrecking ball. She was a steamroller. And the pain that is expressed in, what, five sentences, the first two just a little context, and the last three are just the lashing out of the pain she inflicted on her kids by the undisciplined decisions that she made. And I'm not going after her. I'm saying we need to examine our own lives because if we believe that God is calling us all into greater levels of supernatural purity, yes, yeah, some of it happens by just being faithful to the house of the Lord and whatever, but there's also a pursuit involved. And the Bible intrinsically ties together sanctification as growing in holiness, linked together with another word, consecration. Not constipation, that's something you get deliverance from. But <laughs> consecration, okay? So consecration is something you and I do. We devote ourselves, we press in, we seek. Sanctification is the Spirit's response to our consecration. Like the Old Testament says, set apart yourselves for the Lord in this way, and then you'll see the glory of the Lord. You and I have a role in this. It's not just come to church one out of four weeks and you'll just get better and better. I mean, it won't hurt anything, but you're probably not going to grow very much, honestly. You know, you want to maintain spiritual minimums, just keep on doing the minimums. But if you really are sick of yourselves and you really want to grow and you really want to stop the, the Gertrude stuff in your life and you don't want to see your kids replicate your faults, then you've got to consecrate yourself before the Lord. What do I mean by that? Take extra steps you're not taking currently towards the Lord. Like, big secret, but just check this out. You want to stay where you're at? Continue to do what you're doing. But if you want to experience incredible growth in your life, anybody there? Okay? Then check it out. The church has all kinds of awesome discipleship programs. And if you want to grow, sign yourself up. I'm... I'm Triple dog daring you to take a 60-day challenge on going crazy with the Lord. Sign yourself up for men's ministry, women's ministry, discipleship classes, Wednesday night, prayer meeting. Get your kids in church. Anybody want your kids to serve the Lord? Get your kids into children's ministry and youth ministry that will really build them up and put more investment in that than you're paying for their traveling ukulele team or whatever it is, you know? Like, put things in the proper perspective. At the end of the day, you know, I, I hate to tell you, but I'm just going to lay it on the line. Most of your kids aren't going to be FIFA stars, right? I'm just telling you, you know, it's just the truth. Most of your kids aren't going to make it to the NBA. The ultimate goal of parenting is not that your kids get a big sports contract. It's that your kids don't go to hell. Push the reset button on this. Just get things in the right balance and order. It's not like you don't have to do this, but part of consecrating yourself is setting up a priority list and going, you know what? The most important thing in my life 
is not that I've watched Stranger Things through in one day, whatever. The most important things in my life, or Ranger Things, if you're familiar with these, someone's about history. But it's the most important thing is that I'm seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness. And if you'll just apply yourself a little more than you are, you will see the Gertrude stuff die out in your life. And the Jesus stuff, let love be your highest goal. Now, the part that we're not going to talk about in great fullness this morning, because we're going to talk about it tonight, is the second dimension of the Spirit's ministry, the outward ministry. So this is summarized by power, but not power over people or political power. Acts 1, Jesus makes that clear. Not governmental power. Even recently, Christians have gotten crazy about that too. How many know there's always going to be a different political leader and a different whatever, and we want to do our our best as Christians to pray and to do the right thing. But at the end of the day, we don't belong to this kingdom. We belong to that one, right? And so we prioritize differently, seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness. And, uh, you know, can just rant just for a quick second. There are a lot of people that don't understand they have a limited amount of passion in their lives. And I want to tell you, if you spend it on some the wrong things, when it comes time to be passionate about what really matters, your tank will already be empty. A lot of people, all this stuff on social media, all how many know the moment you hit the caps lock key when you're posting on social media, you've already sinned, right? Okay. Um, but check this out. Outward ministry, God wants to affect the outward side. So like when you get saved, the chocolate filling of the Holy Spirit is inside of your donut to affect you primarily in greater levels of purity as you and I apply ourselves to it, take extra steps of devoting ourselves to the Lord. But the outward ministry is like when Jesus takes your donut that already has the chocolate filling inside and he dunks the whole thing in the chocolate glaze of the Holy Spirit on the outside. Have you ever noticed in a box of assorted donuts, the ones with the chocolate glaze on the outside get all over the box and all the other donuts around them naturally? exactly what this is all about. Jesus says, Acts 1-8, you're going to receive supernatural, miraculous ability when the Holy Spirit falls outwardly upon you, when he baptizes you in the chocolate of the Holy Spirit, and then you're going to do ministry all around you. It's going to get all over everybody, right? And so all of us want to do more for the Lord, but we feel underpowered in some way. So he gives us the outward ministry of the Spirit. Now, tonight we're going to talk about spirit baptism, which if you're a Christian, this is, the Bible shows is for everyone. If you've given your life to Jesus, the moment after salvation, you are immediately qualified for God to dunk you in the Holy Spirit, who already lives inside. So you're going to know, oh, it's the whole, oh yeah, I know him already. But it's for a different purpose. A general anointing, not general as in weak or watered down, but general as in like a wild card to do whatever God wants you to do. And then the specialized giftings of the Spirit, which are kind of in before our text in chapter 12, which are like the sprinkles on top. They're a little different. God gives us all different ways, but it's just kind of an additional empowering to do the work of the Lord. Now, um, we intentionally ended it a couple minutes early because I want to spend a few moments in praying. Pastor Ryan, would you sneak back up? You're awesome. And if you could play, I was feeling a little Van Halen maybe this morning. That'd be good. All right. And um, the great mission song, Panama. Uh, okay. So now, now I just, just want to invite you to do something here in a moment. I'm going to invite you to stand but just a second. But just so you know the rules real quick. All right. Um, 
is like a lot of ninja Christians try to sneak out at this moment. And I'm just telling you, that's not cool. I mean, it's not a jail, but seriously, I'm going to invite people to know Jesus as Savior. And how many know that would be the least appropriate time to be a distraction by sneaking out? I'm just going to lay it on the line. All right. So it's like sneak out, sneak out when I'm preaching. I could care less. But when it comes time to give in the salvation appeal, our role, if you already know Jesus, is to be an intercessor in those moments. All right. Is that cool? Just to be that straight with you. Let's stand to our feet. And would you join me? I just kind of shutting everybody else out and maybe closing your eyes and just kind of bowing your heads for a moment just to look inside now I know we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God you know if you just tear away the veneer of human pride for a moment we all see it good night I mean I could fill a phone book in two-point font of my sins and probably run into multiple volumes that I've committed over the years I need a savior. I can't save myself. And my sin is a spiritual problem that can only be resolved by a spiritual solution. And that's why Jesus came. And merely coming to church doesn't save you. Being christened as a child doesn't save you. Jesus says clearly in John 3, the only way to know that you are in a right relationship with God and that you have been saved, born again, new beginnings is if you have embraced Jesus as your savior what he called being born again and Paul tells us in the benediction of this uh, second Corinthian letter he says each one of us should examine our own hearts to see whether we are in the faith and that's what I invite you to do right now would you look at your heart I'm not saying you know did you go two miles over the speed limit on the way to church today I'm saying has there been a time in your life when you profess faith in Jesus in some way or another either with someone or by yourself you said something like you know God I believe in you or Jesus forgive me for my sins I can't help me Lord and, and you've cried out to him no one else can enact salvation in your life but you you have to call upon the Lord in order for him to pour out his forgiveness on your life and this morning I simply want to ask you if you say, you know what, I look at my life and I know I'm not living in a right relationship with God, but I want to. I want you real quick just to wave a hand at me. If you're watching online, yeah, all over. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Beautiful. Right? Nine, ten, eleven hands. It's awesome. Those watching online, you can respond right now to the great online pastors. Uh, those of you in the park, just lift your hand to the Lord right now. This is your time. This is your moment. Now, would you look up here just for a moment? Uh, how many of you uh, have like the the mother-in-law that gives you guilt. No, don't raise your hand. All right. But I'll, if I were to go, well, you know, how many of you didn't think of Jesus in the last 24 hours or whatever? And that's not the way this is. Without any kind of like veil of secrecy and closed eyes, how many would say, you know what? I'm sick of myself and I'd like to be more like Jesus. Give me a hand. Yeah. Okay. So let's pray about this. If you already know Jesus and you're sick of yourself, consecrate yourself. Here's how you do that. Talk to him. Be honest. Lord, help me. Forgive me. Uh, I want to be more like you, Lord. Show me what's in my life like we prayed last night that's maybe pulling me away from you because I don't want to do that so much. And Lord, show me something that I could do more that would draw me closer to you. A great prayer. And I'm going to, and while you're doing that, I'm going to pray a prayer of salvation for those that want to be sure they belong to God, okay? If you want to be sure you belong to God, you can certainly pray your own words of prayer, but sometimes people kind of feel like they need a handrail to hang on to. And so we're going to pray, but honestly, if you pray honestly out of your heart, it's 
honestly, it's really easy to get saved. Like thief on the cross, remember me, because it came from his heart. But let's pray. And I'm going to ask us all to not pray silent prayers. I pray if you pray a silent prayer today in this moment that your pot roast has salmonella, all right? I want us to, I, I want us to punch our own pride in the face by humbly lifting our voice to God. You know, you don't have to yell or scream or anything like that, but would you at least audibly do it? You'll find when you begin to pray, Lord, help me, I need you, there will come a breaking of your pride. And how many know what I'm talking about? Okay, come on, let's lift our voices to him right now. If you lifted your hand and said, I want to give my life to Jesus, would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus is your one and only son and that no one else can save me from my sin but Jesus alone and Lord I have sinned I've sinned against you I've sinned against others I've even sinned against myself and I cannot fix that but you can Savior would you save me would you wash me clean Would you write my name in heaven's family book? Would you allow your Holy Spirit to come live inside of me right now? Thank you that you would accept me. Now help me to grow in your kingdom and in your life. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, Lord, just change me. God, I don't want the the failures of last week to be carried into this week. We welcome a fresh measure of the sanctifying work of the Spirit Lord, for those that need a powerful surge of sanctification and overcoming power, would you come right now? Come, Holy Spirit. Fall upon your people. Enable us to be more like Jesus and less like ourselves. And Lord, I pray in the dailiness, Lord Jesus, that you'd help us to grow. Lord, I pray that you'd be like that alarm clock, Lord Jesus. Just like every morning where we're getting ready, may the Word of God be playing on our Bible app, Lord. And uh, may, may we just consecrate ourselves to you, Lord. You speak to us and say, hey, this thing is just kind of pulling you out of the kingdom of God. Lord, help us to have the courage to throw it in the trash bin. Who cares? We don't want that in our lives. We want you. Holy Spirit, sanctify our priorities sanctify our priorities and those that we influence our spouses our children our friends lord shine jesus through us oh jesus change me change me change me change me lord jesus i don't want to be like me i want to be like you help me holy spirit to be more like the master would you just join me in lifting a hand or two to heaven if you feel comfortable with that and if you've never tried it I dare you to try it out it's a childlike act that humbly opens you up to receive from the Lord reach to your heavenly father right now would you out loud just begin to welcome the Lord to teach you more about opening up to the Holy Spirit come on send him an invitation father would you just teach me more Enroll me in the school of your Holy Spirit so I can experience more of Jesus in my life. Spirit of Jesus, would you even fall upon this room right now? I pray that many that are kind of newly opening up to the things of the Holy Spirit would encounter your warm embrace right now. Thank you for it, Lord. Thank you for it, Jesus. Lord, I pray tonight that 100% of the people that show up in this room tonight 
would be baptized in the Holy Spirit for the first time or would download a fresh update of your anointing and supernatural power upon their lives. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I'm hearing the Holy Spirit say he's healing sleep apnea right now. Thank you for it, Jesus. There's uh, a blood platelet condition. Uh, it's a woman. I'm feeling power moving in my arm. You've also had some damage in your arm from uh, so many uh, so many blood tests and things and uh, all kinds of issues. There's power flowing. I just receive from the Lord. You need a touch from heaven. Thank you for it, God. Yeah, there's... Uh, there's TMJ, there are all kinds of stuff. Sometimes, for those of you that are unaware, sometimes God will kind of make you aware. Remember, some of the gifts are about knowing, and he does that to quicken faith. But that doesn't mean that's the only things that God is doing. Before you go, would you just invite Jesus, if you need a touch in your body, to come and heal you, just like you invite him to save you? Would you invite him to heal you right now, Jesus? Would you come and heal your body, the church, right now? Minister your grace. Minister your grace. Thank you for it, Lord. We love you so much. We love you so much. Thank you, Jesus. Pastor, would you come? Amen. What a powerful time again. Thank you for tuning in, and we hope you enjoyed today's message. If you'd like to get in touch or would like more resources on how to live a successful Christian life, you can always find us at myabundantlife.com. Have a blessed week.